Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hey everyone, welcome. It's our Wednesday night midweek service. And I am so grateful and so thankful that I'm able to speak with you tonight. Um, you know, at this point in time, um, the great majority of us are craving human companionship and interaction right now. You know, God made us this way. He created us with a need for human interaction. You know, we see that first off in, in, in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. We see um, this, this God creates this garden, and in the garden he places uh, Adam and, and then creates Eve. And then um, God had set up appointed times every day where he would meet with Adam and Eve and interact with them. And can only imagine what that must have been like to be able to hang out with God in person, face to face, and not have any sense of, of, of shame or any sense of condemnation or any sense of um, intimidation between them. You know, in, in fact, if you really think about it, it seems like the very first casualty of sin or the first consequence, we could say, was broken fellowship. You know, and Jesus comes to the earth and spends most of his time on earth reconnecting people, reconnecting mankind to the Father who they had disconnected from hundreds of years before. So, so tonight we're going to prepare our hearts and we're going to be taking communion together. We see I have my little cup of juice here and I have my matzah. And so if you haven't gotten that together uh, yet, please... Um, Take a moment, please, and go grab something. Grab a cracker and some juice or whatever you can use for communion. Because tonight we're going to talk about communion as a method or a way of us enhancing our personal relationship with God in the sense of experiencing the presence of God. You know, always remember when it comes to, comes to communion that Jesus gave us the command that we should do this in remembrance of him. And so that's what we're all about here tonight. So, so Jesus comes to the earth to reconnect mankind to our creator, to our father in heaven. And see, what happened was that people thought that God had wanted sacrifices and rituals and religion when all the time God wanted relationship and trust and intimacy. Um, if we skip ahead in the Bible to Revelation chapter 21 in verse 3, um, the Apostle John says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle, or we could say today the dwelling place of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And then verse four says something really interesting. And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes and there should be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away I want us to see something here. I want us to see verse 4. says, And God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. Um, in this scripture, I hear closeness. I hear intimacy. I, I hear a relationship where there's no barriers. Because um, you've got to be very close in a very close relationship with someone to allow them to wipe your tears. And so we see that at this point, you know, God wants mankind drawn close to him. 
And uh, message, the message translation says it this way. And I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. It's pretty cool the way it says it. Making his home with men and women. They're his people and he's their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone, crying gone, pain gone. And I'm sure all of us are saying we can't wait to get to that place. Um, closeness, intimacy, where man-made religion portrays God and portrays man's relationship with God as this far away, far off, uh, coldness, uh, a threatening personality. And, and God is anything but those things. And so Jesus, on the night of the Last Supper, wanted to really drive this point home. He spoke of love, not human love, but love that he himself exemplified. Uh, he said, love one another even as I have loved you. He, he qualifies it. He said, I want you to love one another, but not, not your kind of love. Not the you do for me and I'll do for you kind of love, but the love that God exemplified in the Lord Jesus Christ. That night, he taught a lot about love. He also told them about the Holy Spirit, introduced the Holy Spirit. He told them that he was going to lay his life down for them. He washed their feet. These are all deeds that someone who's trying to draw you close to their heart performs. The most intimate of, of friendships. And then he took something very familiar to the disciples and he brought it to a brand new level. In their, in their eyes and in their lives, uh, a cup of wine and a piece of bread would never have the same meaning again. Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. And they, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Luke, in Luke's gospel, he puts it this way in Luke chapter 22. He took some bread, gave thanks for it. He broke it in pieces and then gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, in this church age, since that very night of what we call the last supper, the church age, we hold very sacred the Lord's commandment to do this in remembrance of his sacrifice on the cross. So, so, so let's remember that. And, and let's begin to practice communion as a method of experiencing the presence of God for ourselves, especially during these times of stress and instability, in order to bring peace, that biblical peace, that biblical shalom, that completeness, that wholeness, in order to, in order to bring the awareness of stability into our everyday lives. And it reminds us of his closeness to us, his relationship with us, his desire to bring us close. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And we recognize, we recognize that the blood wipes away every barrier between us. Oswald Chambers, many of you probably know who he is. You probably have his devotionals. The Christian theologian and author. This is what he had to say on this topic. When Jesus shed his blood on the cross, it was not the blood of a martyr or the blood of one man for another, but the blood of God being poured out 
for the redemption of mankind. Imagine that, that spotless blood. Our blood has been tainted. Ever since Adam, our blood has been tainted by sin. But Jesus comes along, born of the virgin, born from God. And Acts chapter 20, verse 28 kind of confirms this. The apostle Paul is, is speaking to his group of pastors that he has raised up for the churches in, in Asia Minor. And he's, he's going away, he's leaving them. He thinks he's leaving them for the very last time, but, but it's not, but he thinks he is. And so he says, keep watch over yourselves to the pastors and uh, all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought, he bought with his own blood. This scripture here confirms that the church of Christ has been purchased by the blood shed from the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, but in fact, the blood of God. Communion is more than a ritual or memorial service. It releases the same power that was released at the cross 2,000 years ago. It causes us to remember what it cost for Jesus to bring us close to the Father again. I like to call it the great exchange, where Jesus descended into the depths of sin so that we could ascend to the heights of his righteousness. And you can't separate the cross from communion. The cross is the place where the blood was shed. The cross is the place where Jesus took upon himself our sin, our shame, our judgment, so that we could take his place, his blessings, and eternal life. I want you to see that exchange. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, and I want to read from the New Living Translation, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Jesus himself was the offering that was received from the Father, or by the Father, I should say shedding his blood, offering his body as a sacrifice so that God then in turn, the father in turn, could receive us back into relationship with himself. The cross is a place where Jesus became cursed for us so that we could experience the blessings of God. We need to always remember these things as we approach communion. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, again, New Living Translation says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on the tree. Verse 14 says, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise Holy Spirit through faith. See, the ultimate, ultimate goal of God's relationship with Abram, he's, he called him to leave, his, he'd leave, his, he'd leave everything that was familiar to him, everything that was comfortable to him, and called him to come out and to come into a relationship with himself. Promise to bless him, promise to give him a son, promise to give him many descendants, promise to give him blessing upon blessing upon blessing. But the ultimate goal was to get Abraham to the place and Abraham's descendants to the place where they would receive the Messiah who had been promised. And having received the Messiah, they would take the next step and be filled and indwelt with the Holy Spirit himself. The cross is the place also where Jesus bore our sickness and diseases that we might walk in healing and health in spirit, soul, and body, in all three facets of our being, that we would walk in divine health, prosperity of soul, 
peace, stability. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 states this. He himself, speaking of Christ, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. At the cross, Jesus suffered our punishment that we might receive God's peace. Isaiah 53, which Peter was quoting in 1 Peter chapter 2. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely we, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The blood is powerful. The blood of Jesus Christ is the most powerful thing that exists in the universe. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, it says, And through him, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That was the price that needed to be paid so that you and I could come back into relationship with the Father. At the cross, Jesus died our death that we might receive his life. Romans 5, 8 says that, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Just think about that scene of Jesus bleeding on the cross, a moment that's frozen in time that affected everything in the universe. As the last drops and last bit of his life is draining out of him, he declares it is finished. The work is finished. It is accomplished. It's probably a better way to define that or to translate that word is it's accomplished. It's done. It's fulfilled. And we are saved by God's work in Jesus and by our faith. And we receive salvation, all the promises that go with it by placing our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in a time right now uh, especially in the season that we're in, where the children of God, the family of God, God's people, need to be living by faith more than than ever. We, we, we know we can trust our Father in heaven. We know we can put our confidence in him. Over and over again, he has shown his faithfulness in our lives. So now's the opportunity for us to really trust him. Trust him with the future. Trust him with the unseen. The disciples had no idea what they were going to be facing. When they went to that supper that night with Jesus, with Jesus, what we call the Last Supper, they had no idea what their future was going to hold for them. Jesus did. He knew. He knew what he was going to suffer. He knew what he was going to endure. And in all his suffering and in all his mental grief that he went through, he was still concerned with the disciples and tried to do everything possible to prepare them for their future. Times are tough right now for, for, for many individuals, some more than others. And it's time for us to trust him. It's time for us to place our faith and our confidence in him. By faith, we accept what Jesus did on the cross. And now by faith, we walk in the grace that he has showered upon our lives. Remember that Jesus gave his life so that we could receive his life. On that cross, God gave the greatest gift of grace that he could ever give to us. And during communion, we are reminded of all that Jesus suffered on our behalf and all that we gained at his expense. Communion is the coming together of two parties. We get this word communion 
from the Greek sense of fellowship, family, coming together of individuals. And if you, you listen close enough when Jesus speaks, especially at the Last Supper, you hear the heart of the Father for mankind revealed through his words. We hear the Father's heart cry to gather his family together. You know, a few years ago, during another communion service, just like this one, one of our church members received a, a, a word from God. We would call it an inspired message from the Holy Spirit. And that happens from time to time. Well, God will move on an individual, place a message in their heart to be delivered to, to the local church. And this is what the Spirit of God said to us that night. The Spirit of God would have us to know that this is the season of the family. We are his family and we are in this together. The family of the Lord. You are my love. I am your heart. Whether you're an elderly person alone, a young person with no direction, a person coming out of jail, a divorced person, a widow, all of you are mine, the Holy Spirit said that night. Nothing will separate us. Rest in me. In me, you are complete. It's amazing how that word, when I came across it in my notes, delivered, I believe, four or five years ago, would have such a meaningful significance in the very season that we find ourselves right now. We, we sense God drawing us closer to himself. I was having a conversation with someone uh, just a few days ago. And, and, I, and I said to the person, it feels like in this season, like God has just put his arms around the church and just drawn us all close, taking away a lot of the distractions that we had before, almost forcing us to, to draw closer to him and even draw closer within ourselves. So though we are physically separated, we are joined together with the Lord and in the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, but he who was joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. One Lord, one church, one family. And the father's desire has always been to have a family. When a husband and wife desire to start a family, the husband who now desires to be a father deposits a seed in the womb of the wife who now desires to be a mother and a family has begun. Our Heavenly Father desired a family, and so he invested Jesus' life in order to gain a family. Mankind is and always has been the love of God's heart. And the communion table reminds us that Jesus Christ sacrificed himself on that cross so that mankind could once again legally, openly, being welcomed, come back into a relationship with God our Father. Communion is a reminder of our connection with him and to him. And that he would be to us, our God, our Father, always. Revealing himself through his word, by his spirit, through the bread, and through the cup. At the foot of the cross, he gathers everyone who's willing. The Bible says that whoever, whosoever believes is welcome. And there at the foot of that cross, having been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we are bound to one another in covenant and bound to one another in love as we, as we expect his soon return. 
At this point, I'd like you to, to take your, your, your bread and to take your cup. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. The apostle Paul gives us instruction for communion. He states, for I received from the Lord that which I delivered also to you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Father, I thank you for your blessing upon this bread. I thank you for all that it represents, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for us, bruised for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities, and by his stripes we are healed. We thank you for your blessing upon this bread. In Jesus' name. Bible says at the end of supper, he took that cup and blessed it. And he declared it to be symbolic of his blood. The blood of the new and everlasting covenant. That covenant that you and I have entered into in salvation. Father, we thank you for your blessing upon this cup. We thank you for all that it represents, Lord. We're so grateful for all that Jesus did for us and endured on our behalf. And we receive this cup with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. We pray that we'd always work, walk worthy of your sacrifice, of your suffering, and of your faithfulness to your promises. We receive this with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks so much for the privilege of being able to connect with you. Before we go, I want to pray a blessing over you and blessing over your household and your family. First of all, I pray that communion never becomes an empty ritual to you. I pray that it's always a time of remembrance and always a time of gratitude and thanksgiving for all that, that Jesus laid on the line for us so that we could come back in relationship with the Father. But, but just as importantly, it's based on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection upon all that he's done for us that you and I are in relationship together. And we don't take that for granted. We're so grateful for each and every one of you. So I pray a blessing upon you according to Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And I further pray that his angels would surround you and protect you. May everything you put your hands to be blessed and prosperous. May you be filled with his presence and his peace. May you walk in divine health. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.